Hello and welcome back to the Double Radio Gamescast. As always, I'm your host Ryan, and I'm joined today by my lovely duo of co-hosts, Brett. Hello. And Wyatt. What's going on? It's been a very uneventful week in games development, which means <laughs> we get to actually talk about the fun topics this time, and not <laughs> the oh, bad news of sad. Bobby yeah. Kotick. So, so I don't have to cry this episode, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We don't have to reprimand Activision yet again. Uh, (laughs) Thank God, that was getting so boring. You know, we probably still should, but... (laughs) We don't want to do overdone topics on this show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's episode number 87. We are going into game fictions and atmosphere and how to establish a setting and a game franchise, especially... In the context of things that are multimedia, things like Halo having a book series, multiple book series, uh, games like The Witcher starting from book series, so things like that. Is everyone ready? Is everyone excited? Yeah. We're going to no. go into our like small amount of news that we have, because it is very small. Ryan's uh, just ignoring me. <laughs> well, what, what do you want me to say to you saying yes, why? No, 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 it's perfect. It's perfect. I'm just pointing what, out. What do you want perfect. my response to be <laughs> I, t- your response, the response you had, which was none, was perfect. Uh huh. I mean, I feel like that's what you say when some when people are just like, "Okay, we're ready." You just continue doing the thing. All right. Um, okay. So let's all right. let's do the thing <laughs> we do every week. I don't know why we all have the giggles today. It's something has happened. It's um, post Thanksgiving giggles. It is yeah. truly post Black Friday. We don't have bad news to talk about, so it's it's time to actually be happy, I guess. For hey, once. there is something pr- pretty neat that I think that happened. Uh, Epic Games has acquired Harmonix. So Harmonix, for those who don't know, a rock band studio. They they've made tons oh. of rhythm games, uh, and I am excited to see what they do with Epic because Fuser is a really cool project, but you can tell it did not have a very good budget. Mm-hmm. And I really want us to get another rock band game, <laughs> like really yeah. oh, badly. Oh, dude, we just we just got that uh that Radiohead thing on the Epic Store too. Yeah, do, yeah. Like, crazy stuff with like more art projects like that. I think it's Kid A Amnesia. Yeah, yeah. So I need I, I saw some of it. I need to play it, but it looks really, really looks awesome. looks very good. So yeah, that, that that's going to be an interesting thing to see what they do with harmonics going forward. I could see this being something related to Unreal Engine as well. Because uh, oh, I feel totally. like there could be some cool potential for integrated like music things in Unreal Engine that a lot of studios could find a use for. So I, I wonder if they're going to keep making games or if they're going to transition into an internal studio. Maybe both. Maybe both. Halo put out a live event. <laughs> it did. That's sigh. That's sigh. After so this is Halo. when I say there's no bad news. There's no like news that I feel the need to throttle somebody over, but we do have news that is just yeah. disappointing. Uh, so Halo's Fracture Tenrai event, which on the last podcast we were all looking forward to, kind of sucks. Oh, um, it's a fracture, <laughs> all right. They they spread out progression so that it is one week every month for the next six months on a 30-level battle pass, and you can maximum get seven levels per week that it is active, which is only one week a month. Yes. And if you're confused by those numbers, we're not going to explain them to further our point that it's a little It's stupid. very confusing. It's very strange. Uh, the system, they, they launched this on Thanksgiving week as well, mm-hmm. which means the studio is on holiday, uh, from what I've heard. 
as they should be, right? Because the game yeah, just launched. Yeah. Give them, give them a break. However, this means the problems with the event have had no response whatsoever. <laughs> it's yeah, so and far. it's not like it's going to be here for next week. It's just this week, and then whoop! I guess you'll see the fixes in a month from now if we decide to do any. Well, also, what this means, right? It, it, is that if you miss, if you don't get your like seven tiers in a period of time, they throttle it so that if you miss it, you won't be able to get all the way it's, through. Yeah. That, so it like, is exactly the problem that they said they were avoiding with yeah. the permanent battle passes, except now it is related to these events. Uh, and the the marketing scummy part of this is the armor they have continually used in the marketing and in all the icons in-game for the armor set is not the armor that is free. No. Uh, the armor that's free, it looks still looks, I think, okay. It's not amazing, but yeah, it, it's yeah. got a it's got a neat like look to it. It looks different, um, but it's not the classical samurai helmet that they've been showing off. It's also every not the swords thing. they've been showing off. Also not the swords they've been showing off. Also not the colors they've been showing off. In fact, there are no colors for this armor set. Free, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of very strange decisions going on here that are. Clearly financially incentivized, but I don't know if I don't think this is making them money. Is my bad. I I feel I, like I, they have lost yeah. so much goodwill with this set of decisions that the people who would be willing to buy these things are not buying them. So mm-hmm. also, um, this is less of a of a tenrai or a fracture issue, but more just a general like customization problem. Is that I I'm way less motivated to get all of this armor because I can't mix it with my other stuff. Exactly. Because it has its own core. I do not understand why... I, I, I We talked about this already, but I do not understand why there are different Spartan cores. It, it doesn't... Yeah. Well, I, I get the cores, but why are accessories and, and colors locked is the thing, right? Yeah. Like, why, why are all these pieces not interchangeable? Because they kept touting millions of customization options. We have not very much at all no, right now. No, yeah, you have maybe, like mathematically like a couple hundred i guess if if that just because they're so separated and like even like color is 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 locked behind cores and and it was it was it was pure comedy for me to finish my my weekly challenges only to get a color scheme for the mark 7 armor which has as of right now almost no actual armor customization and not a color scheme for the armor core that you get from the tenrai event that was happening on the week that you complete the challenges it's just like why what (laughs) i just don't understand it it could be avoided if it was available for everything it just doesn't make sense to me they are so lucky that their core gameplay is so goddamn. I know that, that's something I really. They're so do. lucky they accidentally made a good game. <laughs> I, I'm, so, I'm so happy the game is good because I'm really enjoying playing it. But <laughs> the progression system makes the end of a match disappointing, right? It's yeah. Because you see that that end screen, you're forced to view all the progression stuff. You go back to the main menu when it looks like there's an advertisement on your screen, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing where it makes the game feel cheap, even though it clearly wasn't. Uh, to make and it just isn't it's not super fun to progress that way I, halo reach had it solved <laughs> yep so i don't know i mean you know I, what it's, it's a downside. had it solved 
four had its. I mean, yeah, that was a pretty yeah. much, the, uh, if not the same, a very similar system. MCCs had it mostly game. solved, so it's just a, a question of like they added more customization to games that are ten plus years old, and it still was a better it's, customization system. Yeah, and it's like yeah. if I want to go look like a cool Spartan, I'm probably gonna load up Master Chief Collection and not At this yeah. point, infinite more options. Especially um, they they went crazy on Halo Three customization. Like you yeah. can make some pretty cool looking yeah. Spartans in Halo Three. Especially because I don't know about you guys, but I have started to feel the map fatigue at this point. Not like badly, uh, but I think it has become very noticeable that because you can't choose the mode you want to do, because the the map yeah. selection seems yeah. to be a hundred percent random. Even though think... there are like a decent number of maps in in this beta, and I think we have all the maps we have for for launch. At right now but you just don't see some of them so at all and because you, the mode doesn't get picked so I, like, I, I know launch site is a map I've only played on it like once <laughs> and it's arguably in my opinion the best one I know I love <laughs> launch site because really the one map I played on it was really fun so have you guys been playing like I know it's been Thanksgiving recently but have you guys been playing on and off since last episode uh, I, I played like the first day with the Tenrai event Okay. It's probably good for both me and 343 that since I've been uh, at my parents' house, uh, I have the worst internet known to man, which means I shouldn't play the game. So I've been on a bit of a break, which means I haven't really gotten that map fatigue yet, just because I've been on a... It's a long break for me. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, so I'm, you know, I, I am excited to get back to playing it again just because i've been on a break of a forced break but mm -hmm. if i'd kept playing through that like if i had like snuck in one or two matches here and there in between seeing people like i would probably feel pretty differently like i'm pretty excited to play it like when this episode ends i'm probably gonna hop on and play a couple of matches but yeah, yeah I, I get what you're I, saying i need um i really need that that game mode picker because yes. it's just like it's, uh, almost, yeah. it also makes challenges all, easier. It also makes challenges easier to complete. Not even just it's just like more reasonable because it does. I I don't think like we we make the joke. I don't think any of us actually think that there's malicious code in the game that makes it. Oh, why it has know, man. control? <laughs> You're never know, gonna get man. a total control game because I'm then. Only <laughs> Because <laughs> it does feel that way sometimes, but it, it shouldn't. You should just be like, I mean, oh, I want to... The thing with doing random generation in a game, most games don't do random generation, they do pseudo-random, because they have yeah. luck protection built in to prevent th this situation from happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where we end up oh, playing, right. like, not seeing a map for a hundred matches, which is, like, close to what I've I've done, is with Launch Site. I've, I've played yeah. once on that map, and I've probably played, like, 30 hours at least. Probably way more than that at this point. Um, over the past couple of weeks, so <laughs> it's, it's weird to not see those maps. It will be very funny in ten day, uh, no, eleven days when uh, from, from when we're recording, uh, when this game fully releases. To, it, it it'll be just such the the best joke ever told in gaming history for just absolutely nothing to change with the multiplayer when the full game releases. Can you imagine? Because I feel like don't have a game mode. The picking? main change that needs to happen is mode picking. Is that is the thing that I think is giving me the most kind of fatigue with playing the game is not being it able to like it, go play oddball when I want to and not play it when I don't want to. Right. It yes. makes it still feel like a beta. Like it, yeah, it feels very beta from, from that alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um and I, I I think I said this last time, but I think having that game mode choosing ability 
honestly, like, because we we've talked about like, oh, the 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 elites in Halo One are 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 too stupid. What are you doing? And then they just like raised the health, and everyone called their AI better. I feel like this has potential to be like, oh my god, that this progression is so terrible. These challenges suck, and then they just give you the ability to pick gamos, and it's like, oh wow, these yeah. challenges it's are not so bad. easy to do now. Yeah, I have a feeling it has that potential. I, I still think some of the weapon ones and vehicle ones are, are in a bad spot. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because you can't... You know what? I have yet to find a wraith <laughs> that was rideable in any map, but... And, and you know you know what, too? Like, I'm not going to say this is, like, the perfect solution because it isn't, but we're talking about, like, small tweaks that would make it better, right? Mm -hmm. I honestly think if they just added a way... I mean, they totally can. If, if slash when they add a way to reward you for medals... If you kept the progression exactly the same, but you rewarded us for the medals that we got, I would be so much happier with, like, the current kind of progression through the battle pass if they just gave you a little bit for getting... Because I saw a suggestion that was just add 1% of your score, and because your, your score is usually between 1,000 and 3,000. So yeah, that would yeah. mean you generally get, like, 10 to 30 additional XP a match, which isn't, like, a huge yeah, number, but it, it feels... It's pretty substantial. That's, it's good enough, right? Like, it that's a number feels. that doesn't feel like it would break the system. It feels like you're still... Like, I mean, even even when they changed the um, practice makes perfect thing from, like, every two or three matches to just, you know, every match, right? You're still ultimately probably gaining the same amount of experience that way, but the mm -hmm. fact that they're... But I'm not playing... I never get a match where I'm not earning anything. That's exactly. the important thing. Bar go up more often. It's not... It's... I really, like, I feel like it, it... Like, they are giving you not enough XP, right? But... The way that you dole out your XP in some cases is more, in many cases, is more important than how much you're actually getting. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're being rewarded, but you're still not being given that much, it's so much more satisfying than just dulling it out in a way that's really slow. And it feels way more slow as a result. All right. So, I think we're, we're going to cut the Halo talk up there, because we have some other stuff to talk about. <laughs> uh, first thing... We have two double one radio shows coming up soon. We have the Guardians of the Galaxy Games Club, which will be out later this week, finally. And we have a Games Pass Games Club coming out hopefully sometime next week, is I think the plan right now, uh, where we're going to go through a, C a series of four games on Game Pass that we each picked, and we're going to play an hour to two hours of them. We've done this prior to the show, and then we're going to record it book club style and go around the table and talk about the, the four games that we played and give some thoughts and opinions and say if we think we're going to complete them, that kind of thing. Be a fun little see, thing to do. See, I, I was just about to say we should call that the a games club instead of a books club, but we it, are, It's we Games Pass Games <laughs> Game Pass Games Club is the name of it. So. Ga game Pass Club Game. Game Pass Club Game. Book Pass? Book Pass Game Club. <laughs> yes. All right. Now that we've gotten the word spaghetti out. So, <laughs> Battlefield For now. had a head of design. Oh. <laughs> it did? It you did. Sure? <laughs> Who has left following 2042's release. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, this person, I'm not going to name them because I, I don't want to throw shade. And I do think this doesn't necessarily reflect poorly on this person, but more on DICE's and EA's decision to hire them for this position. Yeah. Uh, they hired someone who's... Almost all of their game development experience was at King, the mobile games developer responsible for Candy Crush. Okay. And then they were hired as the head of design on Battlefield. For their new mainline Battlefield game that's supposed to save the franchise. This person was hired in 2019, so this is the only Battlefield game they've worked on. Um, 
This is the only like non mobile game they've worked on. And it shows. And it shows. <laughs> I just I have to ask, what do you guys think the thought process was? How much like just how much <laughs> illegal <laughs> paraphernalia was in the room when I they were making this decision? Because this it's this is like <laughs> This is like this is like some crackhead stuff. I don't know how. Well, I was I, about to say. I think the I think the better question is how much alcohol did they have before designing this game? Like legitimately, it's just every single decision made around it. It's like there's no like, oh, just uh, just 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 fix this thing and and it'll be better. Just fix this thing. It's like it just everything is wrong with it, and it just it just everything I hear about it because this is the first time that I'm hearing about this. It shows. It's yeah. no yeah. no correct decision was made and i think the worst decision of all was to actually friggin release it because honestly like, they should have it's totally a saveable game too right like push this yeah, game I'll back a couple there. of months and just rethink even if you have to keep the specialist maybe rethink how items are assigned to them and at least have like yeah, a class yeah. division like nothing here was unfixable but they launched I, it I in an somewhat... awful state i don't know i kind of disagree i feel like for a battlefield game there are so many core things that are wrong that it, but at least the game to... could have been good right like it doesn't I, I i'm not saying it would be a great battlefield game but i'm saying the game could have come out and been well received for the most they, part i've said this made, go go for it they they made the mistake of saying that this was going to be like the mainline thing we gave them we gave dice a couple extra years this is going to recuperate the the loss of of fan base that we had what they're when, talking when about battlefield is portal 5 came out what they're yes, talking yeah. about is Portal. I, I've said this multiple times. The best thing for them to do at this point, like, just completely forget about the 2042 aspect of this game. Sell Portal as an individual game for, like, 25, 30 bucks and just put all yeah. of your effort into that, making more content for that. Yeah. I, I, I think instead, instead of saying that any part of this was going to be the next mainline Battlefield game, I think they should have just hardlined it. And just have it be like, oh yeah, here's our battlefield side. We, we've because clearly in four, one, and five, they've been trying to do this weird like MLG small squad based tactical battlefield game for no reason for like years Hardline now. Hardline had it too. Just yeah, just just it say just that this sense. is gonna be that. It doesn't make sense, but just say that this is gonna be that, and then and then guess what? No one's gonna play it anyway, so no one's gonna be upset when it's garbage. But now, or the people you, that you've attached do this. play it are people that want that, right? Exactly, exactly. But now you have clearly the game was designed for um, what is it, hardwired or whatever the the not battle royale mode that they have. Uh, clearly, hazard, hazard zone, zone yeah. hazard zone, yeah. Um, <laughs> the whole, the whole, there's so many like H names and yeah. feel like I don't remember them anymore. The the whole like <laughs> all the things, the specialists, the gunplay, the who gives a crap. All of it was clearly designed for that. Um. I, I think it should have just been that, and, and it, unfortunately, they attached all these expectations to it by saying that, yeah, we're giving DICE extra extra time to complete it to make sure that the next mainline title is good. They should have just had Hazard Zone as its own thing, whatever, 20 bucks, side side story, cops and robbers, hardline style thing, whatever, with specialist stuff. like Oh, oh and at the same time, it's not a new Battlefield uh, mainline game, but look, just like Wyatt said portal at the same time for all those people who are mad at us for making a, a 
open world Rainbow Six Siege for some reason. <laughs> now we have all of your old favorite maps, and we've MCC'd them all together in one big custom game thing yep. for thirty bucks. Oh, oh, oh! You, I, you're telling me I have to pay ten dollars for DLC? I don't care. It was thirty bucks, and it's all the things, and they're adding more. I don't even care at that point. It's better than this because yeah. this is, is is garbage. This just it's not working. Uh, I mean, it's the, terrible. The biggest, the biggest so like, mistake was calling it a battlefield game because it's not anymore. It's not, with the exception of Portal, which is very battlefield. Right mm -hmm. up to it having a really bad launch. <laughs> it's of course. It's not a battlefield game. Like when, when when we were playing the beta, I was like nothing about this. I I keep saying it's an unholy combination of um, what was it called? Ground War from uh, Modern Warfare 2019 and Battlefront 2. That's what it feels like. That's not a good thing. <laughs> That's no. not yeah. a good thing to be calling a battlefield game. <laughs> Or, you know, no, battle, battle, Battlefront won because that had no classes also. And that was just a, a giant, like... It's, yeah, that was just your star cards. And just, yeah, mess. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. All right. We don't like Battlefield here is the point of this No, discussion. we like we Battlefield. Like we, we don't like we 2042. Don't like 2042 here. Is, but guess is what? We're going we're gonna to play it for you guys someday soon, so don't worry. Yeah, that's, also, that's probably also coming madness. sometime... Not this week, but the week after, most likely. Don't say we never do anything for you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I this can't be for this isn't for anyone. This is for us to experience this travesty in a way that doesn't give us damage permanent. Would, damage. would you would you say it has the potential to be therapeutic in a sense? Yes. Uh, All right. <laughs> I guess. All right. Let's move oh, on. God. So I saw this isn't news news, but I saw this and was just like. I didn't know they were still doing this. Age of Empires 3 just got DLC. Sorry? Didn't 4 just come out? 4 did just come out. Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition just got a new civilization. Okay. I, pri pri I, priorities, was, I guess. Was well, wasn't it? What? Yeah. So, so apparently what is going on is that there are three different development teams right now for Age of Empires. There's the team on 4, there's a team on Age of Empires 3 Definitive, and there's a team on Age of <clears throat> Empires 2 Definitive, and they are all independently working on these three fan these three games. So, I see this and still making as, DLC. I see this as Microsoft got a positive response to the new um civilization game and they're like okay we want to make this a bigger microsoft exclusive let's put a bunch of teams on the franchise and like try and make it you know bigger um because it's like oh here's a franchise that we can finally cling on to that isn't called forza or halo or gears <laughs> you know age of empires 3 is like a 15 to 20 year old game at this point <laughs> i, I want to lay that out I'm there for anyone saying. who hasn't played it before right right and it got a definitive edition like a year three years ago, ago? maybe I think. Yeah, something like that. I just I remember I bought three on Steam for the for the nostalgia because it was really cheap, and then I saw that there was a definitive edition like two days later. I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's on Game Pass, uh, so I think you can oh, you can pick it up. Would, that would make sense. Because four is on Game Pass at least. I, if if three isn't, four is, and you can go play four because four has also gotten very good reception. So it's just a neat thing that this old franchise is getting a lot of love, and there, I'm sure this is. Selling to a very small audience, most likely, because I can't imagine 
it is that many people, but I'm betting all of them are very dedicated. It's yeah. I bet it's it's like game. Ace Combat games. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Where there's nothing else like it, so you're gonna play it. Um. All right. The I the do last. Have a bit of news. Oh, go if, ahead. If I thought we were gonna move on. Um. You might have already. You might want to already wanted to cover this but i recently learned that um dra- the the new dragon age game dragon age 4 whatever it's called has lost its third creative director yeah. yes so this actually this out. happened last week but it was not right. uh it was like i think it was on that day that we found out so i didn't have it on my list this is uh concerning mm-hmm. <laughs> three but three so <laughs> this is one of those situations where it is legitimately difficult to know if this is a really bad thing or not the main reason it seems like a bad thing is because of bioware's history because before in in a vacuum people in this position leaving games isn't uncommon because they finish their job like two years before a game is ready to launch creative director is very much in the pre-production phase like that's where they yeah because once you hit full production you're gonna have your content list and, and know what you need to have done People will come to you for for like advice and in direction on on small yeah. things, but the but the bigger picture is already done in terms of your. And if, if you if they were mainly like a writer to... or something, <laughs> then writing is done, right? Like writing is not gonna. It, it has to all be done very early on because you need to know what content has to be included. So, this is a difficult situation to know a hundred percent without knowing what that person's job fully detailed. It's hard to know how bad this is, but because it's Bioware, it's probably we can only bad. The worst, yeah. It's also because there's there's been three, which is it. It just feels like yeah. Okay, first guy, first guy does things, sets up all like like all, all like the background stuff, creative director things. Okay, setting, style, all these things. All right, set in stone. Okay, cool guys. I'll see you. Good luck with the rest of the project. I believe in you. You got like a couple more months left. Uh, it's definitely not going to get delayed, right? Okay, see you guys later. And then yeah, it gets delayed. Yeah, gotta leave. <laughs> exactly. And and then you bring on a new guy. It's like, oh well, this guy. What's what's all this? Uh, this doesn't make any sense. Okay, we're we're gonna start all over with my stuff. And then the same right. thing. Okay, guys, great. A couple months left. And they do it again <laughs> with another guy who says, "What's all this? This doesn't make any sense. This is how the other guy did it. We're gonna have to do how I do it now. So I have to do everything all well, over also- again." It well, just it doesn't sound good. No, well, also, it's not just that they've been hemorrhaging creative directors. The project has has switched its vision many times, too. I remember uh, when they were first uh, in, like, early pre-production, they were talking about, yeah, it's going to be much smaller scale than um, Inquisition, but it's also going to be a lot more dense with content and choices and stuff like that, and we're going to really bring back that, like, sense of, like... Um, player choice and stuff like that and then it's switched direction it's switched direction again to be more of like a live service type of thing um with like multiplayer elements and stuff and then uh, i think anthem happened <laughs> and then they're yep. like oh crap change course again and now it's more uh from what we understand now it's more of a single player experience but it's probably going to be monetized in some way is what we've heard so it's not just that the game has lost creative directors left and right. It's also changed its direction left and right. If it ever comes. I, uh, I don't trust anything that is said about this game until we have gameplay footage. That, that's the main yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see when that happens. Uh, maybe the Game Awards. We'll see something. But <laughs> I'm not... I'm sure people will be very excited. <laughs> we'll get back to you guys on this topic at, uh, in a week. Uh, 001's third, <laughs> third anniversary at this rate. 
Yep. And we'll be talking about how we, still, how we saw one teaser trailer two years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've seen like behind a, behind the scenes concept art a dozen times, but mm-hmm. we saw uh, a little pol- a polygonal uh, uh, player model do a, do a little combat role here and there. All right. So the last bit of, of cool news are technically 001 radios game of the year for last year. Uh, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim yes. is coming to <laughs> yeah. Nintendo Switch. That, that's a very good Switch game. That is a good yeah. Switch game. I wouldn't know a thing about it, but I'm going to uh, agree with you. <laughs> hey, All right, you would probably then. like this game. <laughs> I would? I think so. It's, yeah, you're, you're a righty boy. Are you, are, are you sure? <laughs> I, you would it's, like things if you gave them a chance you're also a fan of sci-fi Wyatt and this game is like the biggest love letter to sci-fi that there has ever been Okay, it has every sci-fi trope <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's absolutely and it deconstructs all of them has like 20 tropes yeah. All right. uh, yeah it's very good it, it's a very narrative heavy game there's not a lot of actual gameplay there is like a, a gameplay mode but it is relatively basic it, it's fun but it's not you're not going to spend 20 hours doing the gameplay. You're going to spend 20 hours listening to the dialogue and watching the cutscenes because that's the kind of game it is, and it's really good. But you got you got to deal with that. So I'd highly recommend this when it comes out on Switch in a year. <laughs> okay, a full year. This is I think December 4th next year. All right. <laughs> so it's a while, Wonderful. but <laughs> it's I don't know why they would announce it now, but that that is the one question I have for them. Is like why. The best thing you can do with like a switch port is just like shadow drop it and just surprise everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like announce it big... and drop it on the same day. That's like the best thing you can do in a situation. Because this was paired with the announcement that the game had sold five hundred thousand copies, which I think was way more than they had estimated for it. I think this game was like estimated oh, to sell. That's good for them. Not a lot, because uh, it was a small team over a very long time. Yeah, it, it's having some some success, which is great. All right, moving on. We're probably, I think. At least Wyatt and I, uh, we tried to do this last year. Might try to do a Game Awards stream. We'll we'll see right. if that's in the cards because that that will, does take a lot of setup. So right. we'll figure out if that's doable. But if it also, is, if everyone's schedule can align. Yeah, that that's the main thing is making sure that the schedule is aligned for the Game Awards and that the Game Awards isn't going to stream a bunch of licensed stuff. Um, yeah, because they yeah. do that quite often. <laughs> Usually, it's not a problem, but <laughs> and, and oftentimes, whatever, whenever we stream anything with Jeff, the stream kind of like craps itself after the shoes come on because it just can't handle his kicks. So like... thanks, Jeff. Well, you see, act- <laughs> the actual story of that is every time Jeff has been on screen and we stream something with Jeff there, I have been in Louisiana at my grandparents' house. So that's why Coincidence? I, I don't know Jeff's how shoes have the magical ability to send Ryan to Louisiana. Every See, that's, why I'm always, that's why I'm always hyping up his kicks because they have magic powers that most just people just don't even understand. As soon as they his kicks are, are shown to me, I just wake up in Louisiana. It's a, <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> you have like I, it's a like hangout. a sleeper agent like a, type thing. Like a, like, like a hangover thing where you just wake up in Louisiana <laughs> with a tiger in your bathroom. <laughs> My activation code phrase is Jeff Keighley's kicks. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to move on to our actual show for the day. We've got... So I, I want to start this off, this discussion off, by bringing up a franchise very near and dear to, I think, both mine and Brett's heart. That's Gundam. <laughs> Let's go, baby! 
<laughs> See, the reason I when I pitched this topic to people, I was like, oh, it's going to be like Halo and uh, The Witcher. No, I really want to talk about Gundam. <laughs> I, I, all right, I, I'm here. I'm all here. Because I'm gonna log off, I'm gonna log off for the night. So, uh, see ya. <laughs> and specifically, Gundam uh, Breaker. <laughs> yes, yes. Because yes. I don't know if anyone aside from Brett and I that listens to this podcast has heard of Gundam Breaker. Gundam Breaker is a game where you you build your Gundam set and it turns into a robot that then you take on missions and fight things. Mm-hmm. Gundam Breaker 3 is one of the best games I've ever played and still it's is. <laughs> legitimately. <laughs> it's cuz there's there's that thing with fan service, right? Where if like if you have too much of it or like it's like a, like a weird execution of it, it feels it feels wrong and it's like, "Uh, I feel like pandered to or whatever." No, I'm 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 not going to lie. When I when I show up in my in my little plastic man who has every single usable weapon of like 27 missile packs that I could possibly fit on on his arms and Shining Gundam comes out as a boss and it plays the the music from the show, I kind of kind of love it a little bit. And I'm it's like it's it's the best and I'm going to finish the whole game and then I did because the whole thing is just is just fan service. It's amazing. It's amazing. That, that's that's the genre for that game is like is but it like but like not obnoxious fan service it seems it is like it is an action rpg annoying it's an action rpg where the fan service is the loot drops being the crazy cool weapons from the show exactly exactly that's the type of fan we're not talking like fan services and it's alluding to the storylines or no it's, it's yeah, you it's kill like, a oh. boss and you get a transam and you get really excited because now you're you glow and you can teleport so. It's, yeah, you, you can move three times faster and all your weapons do like three times damage or something like that. So it's not just like, oh, this crazy the particle effects. Oh, it's great. Do you recognize him? It's like you can you you can be you can be the shining finger that you want to see in the world. Wyatt. And if that doesn't sound amazing to you, I don't know what. And does. you can take the shining finger and attach it to a Zaku, too, and run around listen, looking like the listen. doofus that you are. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, shining finger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually I, I do just this like mild like fifteen second tangent. I did actually play it again recently, and I I, I did not realize that you can just uh, uh you you know ball Ryan yeah I <laughs> you know, know ball good old ball you can put the the ball turret as as a head, and so I yep. made a guy that has the ball turret as a head, and I just it, it's amazing just juggling people with my head that is a giant like comparatively to to my body like. 20 foot long like just one single cylinder just blasting people and juggling them in the air with it it's incredible it is amazing uh now brett what i wanted to talk about specifically with gundam so that is one of the gundam games that's one of the ones yes. that's really good it's unfortunately not available regularly in america yes because licensing is a nightmare you can import it in english from play asia or the singapore oceanic psn store so it is acquirable Mm -hmm. relatively easily and legally none of it's illegal but um it is a a pain to get there is a gundam breaker that exists that is legal in america and easy to acquire called new gundam breaker don't talk about it and i want to bring this game up because it is an example of we don't taking a great thing and just completely losing what made it good in every possible way, akin to Battlefield 2042. Oh, wow. It is a situation where they look at all this amazing stuff they had in this past game. They're like, oh, we were able, and we were able to sell in that past game. Like, we could sell someone $5 for, for a new set that they could unlock in the game and play with, right? And, and take the parts out of. 
now they're just like, okay, well, you can't customize your stuff individually anymore. They have, like, like, classes of frames or whatever, right? Yeah, so you can't customize your stuff individually anymore. You can't do the crazy customization. The paint editor is now much worse. So all the fan service just went out the window. Right mm-hmm. now, all you have is a fan service of a fighting game where you get to see your character fight another character, right? In this situation, you've just got your Gundam and then your your other Gundam that you might like, but now you can't do any of the cool stuff of like combining a yeah. Trans Am and the Victory Gundam. So you can't do the crazy kit bashing. This is why establishing fiction and your franchise is very important because Gundam is a franchise. The TV show, show franchise is not about kit bashing, right? But no. Gundam as a property with the model kits that you can buy that I have like six of at this point sitting around that I need to do uh, is about kit bashing and is about building things. So when you got to play to that in a game that is about building things, right? And when you don't, you lose that audience. Ryan, I would like to congratulate you for making the most roundabout metaphor and example for this <laughs> subject physically possible, because that is kind of amazing and very true. <laughs> Look, I had to find a way to, to make this as complicated as possible. You just complete. If I have a feel, if 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 Wyatt understood what this was going into it, he now has no idea what anyone is going to talk know, about next. I know. He's completely. You've killed the poor man. <laughs> so you're you're then you're led into this issue where you have to respect what your franchise is about, and this is a thing that mm-hmm. we've talked about a couple of times in other episodes. As like side things, we we brought this up a lot when Cyberpunk was coming out. Of like cyberpunk, the one thing that cyberpunk really got right was nailing that cyberpunk fantasy. Until you looked deep enough to realize you can't customize your character after character creation. Yeah, yeah. you can't get the crazy prosthetics. A lot of the the really cool prosthetics that they advertise don't work well and aren't very fun. And it had a bunch of those issues of just like the class fantasy that you should have of cyberpunk game was mm-hmm. there in theory, but not actually working. Right, where where bugs and and issues were preventing it from being what it should be. Um, yeah. So if you were going in expecting that cyberpunk fantasy from the tabletop games, you were not getting that, and that's kind of the big dichotomy there is because they specifically advertised that game as an RPG first and foremost. They kept repeating on and on about how it wasn't a shooter; it was an RPG, right? And and the most immersive RPG at that. <laughs> yes. Specifically emphasizing it. And then it comes out, and we're left with a shooter that is pretty good as a shooter, right? Uh, but as soon as you start to take a look into the RPG systems, it falls apart when you realize it's if you go the hacker route, most of the things don't work except the one thing which kills everyone instantly. And then, <laughs> so there's, and there's your balance. game, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> look, we're still holding out hope that Cyberpunk gets proper fixes. Uh, in like a year. <laughs> it was, they did delay time. those fixes until next year. So I keep hearing that it's like in the middle of a comeback right now or something, but like, well, so what happened is it it uh, went on sale for $10 on most platforms and people have said that $10 is the good price range for playing cyberpunk (laughs) and not feeling gypped. (laughs) That's an insult. (laughs) But I mean, it is true, right? Like if you want to play a cyberpunk game, a game in that kind of setting and you want 
because there isn't anything else to fit that aside from Deus Ex, right? There's nothing yeah. else. Um, I divine Cybermancy maybe, but that game is a is a flaming <laughs> pile of incomprehensible. Incom- <laughs> if you're schizophrenic, you will enjoy that game. Otherwise, <laughs> hey, good luck. It's, it is worth pointing out that I paid full price for Cyberpunk, and I really enjoyed myself with it. But yeah, that, that's you're what I'm exception. saying, right? Well, I agree with Wyatt. <laughs> I'm not an exception. I'm not an exception. I think we bought I, it on PC. That's an important yeah. note, and PC it's had the least note. of the issues. It's still, and and I'll also say that my run. Here's the crazy thing: my run was pretty smooth in terms of bugs, which, if you know anything about me, is shocking. <laughs> yeah, very shocking. I played. Listen, I played probably one of the most buggy games that came out in 2020, and it went relatively fine. And then I played Ghost of Tsushima, probably one of the like. Most polished. most polished and i had <laughs> so many issues <laughs> i mean why would it su- surprise you for me to tell you that uh i played cyberpunk i had far more bugs playing guardians of the galaxy than cyberpunk to a significant uh, degree see my only thing with with <laughs> Gar- my only thing with guardians was i was getting frame drops on a ps5 which frankly is uh not acceptable <laughs> so i think but, what we're trying to say is that like if you're getting cyberpunk on pc it isn't as much of a broken net mess as it is on everything else and i think as of right now no. it's mostly fully playable without say, issue i would say it's worth ten dollars i would say it's worth 30 that, that would be my like main price point for oh, cyberpunk. well i wouldn't say like i i not not to say that like at most it's worth ten dollars but if you see it at ten dollars that's a yeah. good price for that game because underneath all of the issues is still a pretty good really well written video yeah game. the writers did an excellent job the world builders did an excellent job and that that's where they got the fiction right is they got the world right they got the details correct uh the people that made night city like i feel crushed for the area designers of Night City, because they did an incredible job, right? Yeah. Night City is is a beautiful, very well-realized open-world location with nothing to do. (laughs) 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 Nothing got put in that world because they ran out of time. (laughs) So the area designers did an incredible job of getting areas to look good and very interesting, and then nothing's there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it... What a game. <laughs> what a game. But it, it demonstrates the point well of, like, you have to make sure you're getting those fiction elements right. And if you get the fiction right and don't run into the bugs, like, our first playthroughs of that game where I think both of us went Nomad, right? Yes. And I think having now played the other intros, Nomad works the best. Maybe Street Kid works pretty I, well, too, but Nomad... I assumed it would because, like just from the place that you start in the game it makes the most sense in terms of like setting up your it gives you like a journey into the city right even if it's only like 30 minutes long it's a nice ease in to getting to the city yeah so there there is a nice i think both of us chose a very good flow for the game in that we went nomad and i think we went very gun focused builds we didn't do anything crazy with melee or hacking in our first playthrough, right? Um, I I kind of did that that playthrough that I normally do, which is unlock a thing and be like, oh, that looks cool. <laughs> like I wasn't super into my, my next run is definitely going to be much more like build focused. But my first run was like, oh, this is cool. What what's this do? Yeah. So so I think we stumbled our way into the least buggy path in the game <laughs> is what I think happened. Where all of, all of, the, all of the, the, the good karma went into that game and then all of the bad karma went into Tsushima for me in terms of bugs. 
because the gunplay in Cyberpunk is, I think, very solid for an RPG. Yeah. It, it feels far more impactful than like Fallout 4, and there's some especially specific missions. First, especially for a first attempt, it's yeah. pretty solid. It had AI that is not amazing, but gets the the fantasy across of like sneaking through a, a building at night and being able to like it also take people out. It also had very good level design, from yeah. what I remember as well, um, and le and level design that that kept in in line with the world too. Like it didn't. There were very few moments where it felt like, oh, this is a video game level. Like well, and the really cool thing is you could go back and read some of Cyberpunk Red and the rule books and. Mm -hmm get a feel for the layout and like the the feeling of the different areas from the cyberpunk tabletop rules which is something that was incredibly fun of like going i can go back and look and like draw the connections of cyberpunk 2077 treats cyberpunk like actual fiction as canon so you have yep. this whole backlog of cool cyberpunk fiction if you want to go look at it which is very you interesting could tell, you could tell that that they definitely like gave a crap about the source material and like wanted to uh honor yep. it correctly that that's where most of the the development time was was spent in the the writing room like years and years were yeah. just getting the concepts down and it wild. shows the writing it's, yeah is some of like of all the games that i played that year it's like except for the bit where like half the prologue just ends <laughs> which is but i i have a feeling it's it's weird i wonder like I did, this is this is going into too much of a cyberpunk conversation, maybe, but I, I wonder if I have a games club about it already. Dang it! <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't even be able to be for it because I haven't I haven't played it myself. But like, I wonder if if development in retrospect, obviously hindsight is always twenty twenty. But if if it would be better instead of having those three different starting areas, if you just, if they just let you do the whole like intro yourself instead of just being like, oh, you picked your your. You three different things that I guess gives you kind of a start for a little bit until it all becomes the same later, and then uh, you fast forward. Well, that's not the um, okay. the issue. Is that there's a specific cutscene that happens very early on, which is the one they used in all the trailers of like you and Jackie at like a party oh, that yeah, flashes yeah. to all this other stuff. <clears throat> that is in the game, right? That is yes. an in-game cutscene that happens. What it, they made it look like in all the trailers is that those are cut-up scenes, things that you could play. Yeah. That you Which would play through. We don't know. At one point, it could have been content that they planned, but had. Yeah, to the rumor yeah, is that 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 was cut content, uh, not necessarily for the sake of of it like being bad or anything, but was cut because they felt the game flowed better at a specific length. Having played it, I think I, I disagree with that decision. If that is the decision that was made, well, because... it, may have, it may have just been cut to make it the release date as well. Like we don't. It, well, because we don't we know, don't. right? Like that's they right, they yeah. haven't said. Um, but the rumors were never about like making the release. They were they were more about they wanted to cut the length down so more of the game featured Keanu Reeves as like the star like, player percentage wise, which is just such a weird. <laughs> I, I mean, I do also I remember. Don't say I agree with it, but I get it. <laughs> I, I I I do also remember because I I get this also. Um, because I remember one. I don't remember the guy's name, but this is someone from CDPR saying this. Uh, in uh something regarding the uh. The, the Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk because uh, he, he was like we, we checked stats or whatever and, and so many people played The Witcher for like a little bit and then and then didn't finish it like more people like the, the amount of people that did not finish The Witcher 3 after starting it was like astronomical compared to, to other games apparently so I, I they probably think, wanted yeah, he, to speed up the, the beginning exactly, of Cyberpunk. exactly yep. but as a result like it's just so like it, it it feels like a joke a little bit. It's just so weirdly stilted. Like you should be able to play all that. It's it's the immersive game, 
you should right. be let me be this man's friend instead of <laughs> making well, me watch it makes me it feel like friend. there aren't really other characters that can be like your companion in the story because all of the companion missions happen once and then are done right like it's just you don't ever go any further that, a, that is a game that felt you, like it could have used a skyrim elder scrolls like, i was just about to say you're not gonna bring get a one person with you you're not gonna get a Lydia in this game, or whatever, whatever her name is. Is that right? Yeah, Lydia is right. Am I right? Okay, uh, just checking. But I, I would have loved the ability to like call up the relationship candidates, or like people that, that probably just the relationship candidates, honestly, because you could just have them be your companions, uh, and then dude busting up some bandit camps with like, oh my god, that with with uh, Jackie or something would have been awesome. Just yeah, like, it's hey, just I like let us help. do the open world activities with a with a bud because that makes it so much fun. Um, yeah, and I think that would have helped them have that world come across as more genuine rather than a game, which it kind of felt like it was becoming which is very what they gamified. were selling, which yeah. is what they were trying to sell. Yeah, <laughs> which was the the premise of the sell. So that that was an issue with Cyberpunk. Um, all right, moving past Cyberpunk, we we can have an easy slide here to The Witcher. Because it's CD Projekt Red, yes. uh, the Wisher I think is our our first thing to talk about. Aside from Gundam, didn't come from Gundam started as a TV series, right? Not a manga. Just to yeah, make it sure, as a TV series. Okay, and the mangas were made toys. after the fact, so it was a TV series. Uh, I do want to start, if 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 that's okay. I do want to start the Witcher discussion with. It really speaks to how well they introduce the world and everything when the third one is by far the most popular one. It's the one that like most people started with. It's like the, yeah. the thing that got them introduced yeah. to the series. And it's the third one in a mm -hmm. series of games that are all based on different decisions. And it's can get super complicated with different like warring factions and characters and all this stuff. The fact that they're able to like ease you into it really, really well, considering there's so much history is really impressive and what like, i have to, to give props where, to oh go ahead brett at the, to, to the point where like people like at least most of the people that i've seen like don't even feel a desire or like need to go back to, i like, haven't the first two. they just feel i like haven't satisfied and then it, it's funny because oftentimes they, they do and then it's like oh these games are old <laughs> I I mean, the witcher like 2 is still excellent the witcher 2 is has aged very well i think Witcher what is some is the some witcher change. one is wild <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that game is very strange um so, so i want yeah what i wanted to mention is that like i've i've played all three of the witcher games i did not finish witcher one because that game is a nightmare <laughs> on many levels uh it's still good but it is you got to have a very high tolerance for jank <laughs> To play that Euro game, Eurojank baby. That that is a Eurojank <laughs> game. Um, <laughs> Witcher Two is just a very solid game that plays very differently from Three, but it is just very good. Uh, what I loved is specifically, I think the thing that makes it very easy to get into the game if you're a returning player, uh, and if you're not a returning player, is when they have you brought into that bit where you shave at the start, and you get the the selection of if you want to make a world state, just in the game by narrating what happened in Witcher 2 and you can skip that if you didn't play the game and it'll set up set you up in like the default world state that doesn't bring any Witcher 2 callbacks back so you don't need to know anything going in mm. um and what I really liked about that compared to a game like Mass Effect uh is that you could you did not need to at any point actually upload a save to do anything and get like all the callbacks that you wanted you could just select the options and like I think that works so well because it encourages you to replay the game 
with different things without having to replay the second game mm-hmm. to get the right stuff to happen, uh, which is great. You have this issue with Mass Effect and Dragon Age where if you don't do that, there are a lot of things tied to side quests and whatnot, specifically in Mass Effect 2 to 3, that can just like irreversibly mess up your game if you didn't do them, right? Especially in the case of 3. So I really feel like that, that is something that should be taken going forward in most other RPG franchises that are doing the like long-running, import-your-save thing is allow you to do that save-state creation at the start so you can make a save state especially so you can just experiment like if i've played mass effect 2 i want to be able to see what the result of different choices would have been without playing the entire game for the the 10th time right right? doesn't uh dragon age keep or whatever it's called allow you to do that it did dragon age keep is no longer available uh to my knowledge yeah it it was a very time limited (laughs) thing so i'm saying put it in the game Uh, yeah, Dragon Age Keep did allow that, and it was very neat because it had like this whole stained glass aesthetic that was very cool. Uh, but it was time locked, and I I don't believe is working anymore. Or if it is still working, I think you have to upload a save. Why is it um, time locked? Well, because of servers, some weird server shenanigans. Because <laughs> Dragon Age Inquisition is an old game now. It is uh, 2014. Uh, right? Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> don't. Don't Seven say years. that. Don't make me. Don't make me feel. Ah. <laughs> don't so, make me feel old. But I think that means you. You really feel the impact in The Witcher, especially because Witcher is nice enough to not have any of that directly affect the outcome of the main story. Mm-hmm. Nothing. No decisions you made in two are going to directly influence. They might make some things harder or easier, uh, or open up some other quests. But they were. They're not going to make the ending of the game. Or, or lock an ending out if you didn't do them. Uh, you still mostly get to experience everything that 3 has to offer and actually go through and play everything. Yeah. Which I think works yeah. really well. Um, I also think it, it, draws, it rides the line very well of what to take from an adaptation where mm-hmm. it's taking from a book series, it's acting as not a specific time point in any of these books because... Um, for people that don't know, the Witcher games are not set in a specific time point relative to the books. They're not technically... They're in like this weird limbo state of the books are canon to the game, but the game is not canon to the books kind of thing. So you can play the game without having read the books, but if you go back and read the books, things fit naturally into place. The, the games are almost like a what-if scenario in comparison to the... They're like a what-if ending to the book series, because uh, from my knowledge, I haven't read the final books. I've read like the first two, um, which are mm. very good. And I've watched the show. <laughs> <laughs> the show is also... The show is very faithful to the books. The show is like yeah. very faithful to the books. And also very good, and also if very you haven't good. seen it. Uh but I think it's a good example of how to treat multimedia because it does a great job of making sure that the show is different from the books, the games are different from the books, but they're all very Witcher, right? right. You, you can identify from the tone, from the colors, from the world design that everything is the Witcher, right? Without you needing to actually have all the same events line up in every version of the game, of the franchise, so. Well, also, like, how often do you find something that can bridge the gap between hardcore fans of the franchise and also allow new new people to like come into that world. Like that's such a difficult. And you were just saying it's a, such a difficult like balance to get right. And they just 
I feel like they kind of nailed it. Like the, they really the Witcher did. is a rare franchise where you could start The Witcher with any of the games, really, because two was not meant to be necessarily a follow up to one for the games. You could start at the books, <laughs> just read them in order, or you could start at the TV show, and all your no matter what path you choose, it's still gonna make sense relative to everything else. Yeah. Which is great. And and you have like the option of how you want to start. Like if you're a fan of TV shows, you can go watch the series. If you're a fan of reading, watch read the books. Um It's one of the it's one of the few examples where it's crossed into almost every single medium and done well. I do know there yeah, was an old Witcher movie that apparently is uh, a goofy There was time. an old goofy like I think it's Norwegian Witcher. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I want to say it was Norwegian or Swiss, but very old Witcher show. Yeah. Um, but no, it's... And it's all done, and it's not like it's all done by, you know, the same people, right? Like, the show and the showrunners are very different people from the books and, uh, and, and, and from the games and stuff like that. Like, CD Projekt Red had nothing to do with the show. Um, and I, from what I understand, the, uh, the writer didn't really have much to do with the game either. He kind of gave his blessing and just let them do whatever <laughs> well <laughs> all right the writing situation is weird so well, yes. Sapkowski... well, originally, when originally when witcher 3 came out recently in the past couple of years things are more complicated <laughs> yeah Sapkowski gave the rights to cd project red believing that games were a bad medium and that it would not succeed <laughs> so he basically he basically asked for like a for like a straight up like payment and not from, from like, my knowledge that is what happened or a very small percentage for he didn't ask for royalties or he didn't think he they did, were gonna it's succeed, a very right? small percent yeah so when they did he then got very angry when the witcher 3 is like one of the best-selling games of all time highest reviewed and he was like oh i should be making more money from this it's your mistake that was on you. But he hasn't, he hasn't been involved. He hasn't done anything. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a weird situation. There's a, a ton about that you can go read up on that I think would do a far better job of explaining it that, than I would. And all of this uh, came out during, like, the big sort of uh, advertising rush for Cyberpunk. And it was the one thing they didn't lie about. No, <laughs> no <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it, it doesn't really reflect poorly on CD Projekt because, like, no, 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 they're yeah, not the ones... <laughs> They accidentally the made a really good game, I guess. <laughs> well, not accidentally, not accidentally. Well, from 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 his point of view, from the author's point. Because well, I mean, if you're a business person and this author is offering you the rights to this at a very low rate, of course you're gonna take it. <laughs> Why would you not take that, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, well, especially because they were such a small studio back then. And I, I also want to point out, I don't think Sapkowski is not a struggling author or anything. He is no. he's fine. He's well off. So It's a very successful book series. It would make sense if this were a situation where like George Lucas never made any money from Star Wars, right? And was just like yeah. destitute on the streets and didn't get any money from it. Then we'd be like, okay, what? This is weird, right? This is not okay. I mean, George Lucas, he's not like that well off, right? Like yeah. he's not, I mean, I he's mean, comfortable. He's yeah. comfortable, right? And I think that's what he... <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Let me, let me tell you about Jar Jar. <laughs> he's comfortable, right? And that that's where you want to be. So You know, he's comfortable in his chair when he's directing a movie. In his, his chair made out of gold bars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else uh, to say about The Witcher? Uh, go play it if you haven't. <laughs> 
I do got to hand some credit over as well to the um, DLC area design is I think a, a huge part of the success there because yes, the DLC areas all feel very different from the main game, which I think does a great job of like giving you that shivering aisles feeling from oblivion of this very different landscape and situation. Well, I mean, part of, um, part of hearts of stone was like, it was literally like a, like a, um, oceans 11 style, like heist. If you remember, like you, you had to go out. I mean, I don't, don't spoil it for anyone that hasn't played it, but I'm not, I'm giving vague, I'm not saying specific plot points, yeah, yeah. but there's that, but there's a section where you have to go out and like hire a bunch of guys for this, you know, for this heist job and stuff like that. And they all have their different skills and they even have like someone describing each person. It has a little montage of them, like showing off their particular, you know, skill and stuff like that. It was very like heist movie-esque and it was a cool kind of um, break from like typical Witcher stuff. Yeah. Which works very well. You get that nice thematic difference in every DLC. Yeah. Which I, I need to still go finish uh, Blood and Wine. because I, I haven't I even done Blood and Wine. I want to do it so bad, dude. <laughs> I, know, I know I'm going to do a full playthrough when I do Blood and Wine. I just do everything. So I'm preparing so that was, that for was that. The plan. That was the plan. And then I think something else came out around the time. I think Cyberpunk came out. <laughs> no, I did this after Cyberpunk. I did this much after Cyberpunk. I, I did my playthrough like a couple... like couple months ago actually really all right yeah well i think the next thing that was on our list to talk about is halo <laughs> this is yes because yes. we don't talk about that enough on this show we really no, don't it's not a halo podcast it is definitely not a halo podcast and i do um, i do think i want to focus this discussion around the bungee games um not the 343 ones because we, we've talked a lot about 343 i do and... want to mention one thing with 343 in terms of world building though Okay. That's okay with you. The one mistake that 343 made that Bungie didn't make is that they leaned a little too heavily into books and other things to kind of tell certain yeah. parts of the they story. They made the Destiny mistake yes. of leaving all the story outside of the game. Especially <laughs> especially with 5 because you had to have played Spartan Ops to understand the story in 5, especially mm-hmm. the beginning. And if you remember, nobody played Spartan Ops. And Spartan Ops is a top-down shooter, reach. isn't it? Like Spartan Ops, Spartan Ops no. was the side game mode of four. I think there is also a Spartan Ops that is a is a top down shooter. Spartan Assault. Oh, Spartan, Spartan Assault. Assault. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Very very Spartan difficult Ops? to confuse. I don't I, know how you did that. I played Spartan Ops. I played like two Spartan Ops missions. They feel like Destiny strikes, like the really <laughs> boring Destiny strikes. Well, because yeah. weren't they also locked to co op? They. You can play them. No, solo. they, yeah, yeah. They, they're just all on reused either multiplayer maps or like. So, maps just like a confusing thing. Cause I remember um, I, I played Halo 4 through with a good friend of mine, and mm-hmm. we, we did some Spartan Ops, and the entire time it was like making sure we were in the lobby and whatnot. So, I thought it was locked to multiplayer. So, I never I, attempted to do them. It <laughs> might have. It might used to have been in, in like Halo 4, but I know in MCC, I'm pretty sure you could just do it by yourself yeah, yeah. It, it, which is it, where it i didn't been, play it yeah remember we uh we didn't get firefight because we got this instead yeah it's, just <laughs> spartan ops. it's like oh how did halsey get her arm cut off in five you gotta play spartan ops to figure I it out i don't care <laughs> who's jula dama oh you gotta you gotta play spartan ops 
This is like telling me to go play the Metal Gear VR missions to understand what's happening. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no the thanks. Equivalent, it's the equivalent of like if a game has lore that you want to know more about, you have to actively leave the game and go onto a separate website to read about it. Wouldn't that suck? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I do want to. We've talked a lot again about 343's failures, <laughs> which is a repeated thing with Halo. I do want to talk about years. Bungie's successes because. Yes. Bungie is the group that made Halo into it, into the Titan that it is. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to give them a lot of credit for establishing this kind of shooter franchise in a way that has lasted for so long and that still feels good to play if you go back and play the 20-year-old game. Mm -hmm. I, I think they should get a lot of credit for that. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I want to know where Absolutely. those people went. <laughs> uh, no, uh, they, they made that really awesome game where you get to watch all your AI buddies do the shooter game for you from your oh, speeder God, bike 30 feet right. into the air. Disintegration! Um, yeah. That's right. Yep. Oh, well, I, I want to disintegrate it, all right. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, and I do think that's a good example of how to also do books because in the Bungie era of Halo, the books were side stories, right? They were stories yes. involving different characters usually, or if they were involving Chief, they weren't important to the games to a point where like you needed to read them to understand what Chief was thinking. The only right. one that is like... And it's not even the same story of the game. It's like a more detailed retelling. Um, there, there's one that is just Halo One, but in 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 book form. That's the same length as all the other novels. It's 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 really good. It's just like you you don't have to read it to understand what's going on in Halo One because the story of Halo One is like you can summarize that game in like a paragraph. Um, is it is it also? Oh, sorry, Reese, you gonna say something? No, no, I, I was filling the space with random mouth noises. Oh, okay, that I wasn't actually... okay, gotcha. So then I'm going to take over. Um, yes, I, I feel like a lot of where the heavy, like, when when the series became very, not lore heavy, but started to have a lot of lore, I feel like Halo 2 really was the start of Oh, that. for sure, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. the very beginning of Halo 2, like, the very beginning. It's like a 20-minute cutscene. You probably, yeah, it's a 20-minute cutscene. You probably get more story and more information in that 20 minutes than the entirety of, like, Halo Combat Evolved. Yeah, yeah. And not to, like, bring down Halo <clears throat> Combat Evolved at all. It's just very, at the end of the day, it's very simple. Mm -hmm. Very well done, but very simple. Whereas, like, Halo 2, like, again, just the beginning of Halo 2, that 20-minute cutscene, kind of, like, changes everything you thought you knew. Which is such a bold move for a sequel in the first yeah. twenty minutes. Like, God, <laughs> like I don't feel like that moment gets. Oh, it does like, a great job of expanding credit. the world, right? Yeah. Where you you learn in Halo One very little about what's going on outside of your immediate sphere of knowledge, right? Like right. you know what's going on on the planet you're on, and you have this vague understanding of of a war happening, right? If you want an example of how to do Abby from Last of Us 2 correctly, Halo 2 is a perfect example of how to do it correctly. Because, like, the Arbiter and Master Chief are, at least in, I think, our generation, one of the iconic duos of yes, games, right? Sure, yeah. Where anyone that yes. grew up with an Xbox remembers R being the Chief, right? So... <laughs> let's go to Arby's. Let's, go, let's get Arby and the Chief. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't it kind of surprise you that there was never any kind of like crossover between? Arby's hey, I'm not going to say there never was because I feel like there might have been. Oh, oh, there might have been. Oh, I have to look this up now. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like it might have happened because Arby's does a lot of video game stuff. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. But 
I do think they they made a really iconic kind of paired narrative there. Yeah. Especially having like the co-op partner be the other character is such a, a cool thing that, man, I wish more games would have that setup where you can go play them single player with this AI partner and maybe pick which one you want to play, but then you can do the co-op and then play like the other character in this duo game and get an actual yeah, yeah. unique experience. Even if it's just like having a different arm look, right? But but the that, gameplay that, was, was also well. But the gameplay was very different. Like I remember the first mission you play as the Arbiter. Like it starts off as a stealth mission, which is not really something you'd gotten in a Halo. Well, the, game the missions are, but when you're in the co-op missions, they're yeah. And, and Halo you're doing 3, the same when you're when you're right. together, then but that, at that point, I think you both just have like whatever flashlight. Like, I don't even think Halo Three has a flashlight. I just think Halo Two is the one where where Arby has. Uh, the active camouflage. Yeah, the unique gear. Yeah. Um, it's, it does such a great job of establishing those characters. And I think it also does a great job of hooking people in to want to know more, to sell those other books and whatnot, right? Yeah. It's, it's one of those setups that works really well as a franchise setup. I can't understate that first 20 minutes enough, though. Like, or, or, or overstate it enough, excuse me. Just, like, there's a great... There's a there's so much good like uh, and I don't want to give away. I mean, it's the first twenty minutes, so I think I can. We can it's Halo Two, dude. It. Have it's you Halo. seen the videos of what Times Square looked like when Halo Two was about to come out? <laughs> it's if you don't know it, then you're. Hey, if you don't know it, like, go stop and go play Halo Two right now because it's really good, and then come back. It's, yeah. <laughs> right, but like. Like Master Chief getting the medal at the same time the Arbiter's getting the brand and stuff like that. Like it's just. I can't. Oh, it's such a good sequence. Oh my god! I told you to wear something nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great. I I love how it's a a franchise that is like at its core an arena shooter that has this detailed narrative going in that I think works really well. And I, I think it's an example of if you take that and compare it to like Doom twenty sixteen, you get the kind of different paths they take. Where Halo still has proper cutscenes, they still have. A, a more direct narrative and doom is a lot more open-ended and how it handles that with less because it doesn't want any pesky yeah story it doesn't want any in the way, yeah, yeah. The way. <laughs> whereas like in halo the story is part of the driving factor of like yeah. i want to know what happens next so i'm going to keep playing the right. game and then i really enjoyed what happens next so i'm going to replay it and try to beat it on the highest difficulty for bragging rights right <laughs> right right which is it's just the kind of thing where, like, that's how you have a campaign that is relatively short. Because all the Halo campaigns, I think, are under eight hours pretty handily. Um, Something like that, yeah. There, there's not a I lot think maybe three is a little bit longer. Like, but all of them are, are not particularly long. Uh, I know Reach especially is very short. But very short, yeah. the missions are all so good and so replayable that you get so much of a... If the game's pacing benefits from a shorter runtime, that's fine. Like, that's why have, you don't hear people complaining. Halo multiplayer, especially if they have Halo multiplayer and Forge and whatever Fire else. I think that's why you never heard multiplayer. anyone complaining about Halo games having a lack of content compared to Call of Duty. Exactly. Because yeah. the campaigns might have been short, but they were so good and they're they're very yeah. replayable because of the skulls and whatnot. So I'm gonna mention again, Halo 3's pacing is like the most one of the most perfectly paced video games I've ever played. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it 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 breezes by at a beautiful just like such. Oh, I'm gonna stop right now before I go off on a tangent. <laughs> it's excellent. Though. They're all excellent. Yes. Um, yes. I think I think that really shows like why people still care about Halo and why even after a game that is not great in Halo Five and was 
enormously terribly received for the story. People still want to play the next one because it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I no, don't. I was talking about the story, Wyatt. I was talking about the story. I know you don't want to say that story's yeah. not that bad. No, 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 no. I okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> I will not defend Halo Five story as long as I live. I will not. It is the it is the worst. I am totally there with everyone on. That. I wanted. I just wanted to make sure because I it's, I knew yeah, you would not be able to live with yourself I, if you'd said. No, 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 no. I would not. No, 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 no. The the the, the story is just straight garbage dumpster fire behind an Arby's. Like, terrible. <laughs> no, it's a dumpster fire behind a Taco Bell. I mean, we gotta go... Oh. <laughs> we gotta go deep for that one. <laughs> All right. part, part of, I think, what makes... Because we, we have, we have like, the books and, and the little, like... They, they've, they've done some, like, mini-series-esque things. Um, mm-hmm. For Halo, also, and th- those have been they haven't been bad. They've been like okay. Um, I think one of the, one of the things that Halo has done more than, or at least in a, in a different and like less like weird way than the other things that we've talked about so far is just it's it's advertising campaigns. For a while there, we're like oh, second to none. The oh, Believe that, campaign, the was... Believe campaign, and the it's campaigns the most... for ODST and Reach are like. Even... Like it, I, it, it's almost like calling the Believe campaign like a marketing campaign almost does it a disservice. It was like a short film. It's, <laughs> exactly. It's, yeah. it's such a beautiful like just sequence of. I think the only the only games that have kind of compared to me is, I to a degree, Final Fantasy games have always kind of had that. Some yeah, of yeah. them do it better than others, and I think most of them don't do it particularly successfully. Uh, but the one game that I think I would give a lot of credit to for doing the same thing is Star Wars The Old Republic the MMO I, I'm i sure Wyatt do you remember the original cutscenes that they are the like the CGI trailers they rendered well because they were done by Swotor. Blur right yeah and anything that Blur touches is incredible because they just really like, they just released 4k versions of them for the anniversary yeah. of that game and they're gorgeous and those cutscenes are incredible. I don't understand how Blur does what they do. Like, it just, I don't think, have they ever done any bad work ever? Like, it just feels like every it. time they do work, they're just incredible. <laughs> just amazing. They've got very good direction, and I think they get, they probably have a very good communication with the studio they're working with to make sure that it's matching visions, right? Yeah. Well, and also camera work, even for a CG like an all CG thing, like camera work is still really important. Oh, it's more important because you, you can do yeah. anything, right? With CG, so you, you can put the you camera go over the in board. places you that go, you couldn't have it. So you can't go overboard with it, though. And and they they ride that line. Really yeah, you got to know where we're going. We're going to do some things that like you can't do with a normal camera, but we're also not going to go like insane, like like Transformers moving the camera everywhere. You can't tell what's happening, like. <laughs> Yeah, I'd recommend anyone who hasn't seen them to go watch the Swotor trailers that were originally and, aired, even if you have no interest in the game, because they're excellent. if you're a Halo fan, the redone cutscenes for Halo 2, they also did those, and they are absolutely beautiful. They're very pretty, yeah. Oh, my yeah. lord. It's just a, a franchise that I think has been handled very well in the past, mm-hmm. and hopefully <laughs> Infinite stiffens up a bit, and... <laughs> Because they, I, I, I sent one of them earlier today, but they have 
a similar marketing campaign going on at least like yeah, one ad where they have like that um i still haven't seen that yet i've been so busy recently spoilers for a commercial <laughs> but they have like <laughs> it, it's it's like it's a similar line of of thought where it's like instead of believe it's a it's it's become because now it's like oh you're becoming like what master chief is is in all these like books or whatever we could do like all the like memes of like lore accurate master chief and it's like some guy in matchmaking getting like like a full magazine of quick scopes in a row and then like a 360 <laughs> and just like kills the whole yeah. team or something yeah. um and they they have like this this progression of like what's supposed to be like like heroes through through humanity's time where you have like like ancient people out and out in the fields with sheep and and like fire and and it's like oh there's noises out on the horizon and then there's there's somebody uh uh uh, uh like the housemaiden or something who's uh, the the oh, the the guy the soldier is being healed on the floor by the the house doctor but the the the, the nazis are pushing in so i got to had to pick up the rifle and 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 defend my house with uh, by myself and then you got people pushing into space and rescuing people from from the ocean and like like slowly over time as they get further into the future they have like oh that's that that's like a prototype like hornet from halo 3 that that's what's going to become the hornet and there's just little little inklings of stuff like that's, that slowly as they get further into that's future. What, that's what's gonna become the Hornet. Oh, oh! I, <laughs> a I great job that will calling attention the to believed in that. <laughs> and then and then they they all like 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 they all do the same like run forward thing and they all like, like turn to Master Chief and he beats up some brute and it's so sick and it's all live action. It's Dude, so watch cool this. looking. I gotta it's watch it's. This. It's not as cool as the things that they did for for Reach. Or it's reaching that though. It's 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 getting there. It's it's on the same wavelength, and that just makes me so happy because that like sure if if you played the games, you know you, you kind of get the sense of like what like from Marines say and what like the elites say that like Master Chief has this has this aura about him, whether whether he's he's a demon or he's the guy that saves everybody's butts, uh, and 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 just helps everyone all the time, um. But with the with like the, the believe campaign, it's like this guy is being elevated to just like actual messiah status because he is the guy that has saved humanity multiple times over. He's the Halo and guy. He's the John exact, Halo guy. He's John Halo. He's <laughs> he's, 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 he's saved he's saved everyone so many times over that like some some somehow somewhere in this in this fictional like halo museum in 2550 who gives a crap some some man was so swept away by him that he put together this this little action figure display of, of a battle that that happened stuff like that or like all the uh um like what it takes to become an odst to make sure that you know how badass they really are and they're or going the through guy, all this, like, the, crazy the training was, the guy was talking about like oh we were we were being pinned down and we had like two round we had like two clips for an assault rifle like two frag grenades and like three shotgun rounds or whatever and yeah, they were just yeah, like yeah. we were fine because the chief was there we knew exactly. he was coming like ah oh, dude and they were all dude. live action like, <laughs> like they made a real warthog for this stuff like they, they actually came when they were making they it. had a real spiker like accurately like, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so cuz that's another thing it's just so cool that people actually like the things in the game are well thought out enough that you can make real versions of them. It all ties together in all these ways that, like, yeah, it's an ad campaign, whatever, but it, it elevates beyond that. The no, it's beyond that at this point. It's, yeah, it, it elevates everything to become, to become. Yeah. Um, and, and that's. Go. Go for it. No, no, you go for it. <laughs> that's, that's why I keep hoping they, they do more for, like, if they just have, like, 
just one one more one more big story trailer for before um yeah yep the the main story comes out and then before they just start making trailers for more cosmetics that you'll only be able to buy for forty five dollars yeah <laughs> that'd be a shame let's, let's also not forget uh I love bees if you guys remember I love bees which was the the Halo two campaign yeah Halo two marketing campaign which yes. is what was it? They flashed like the I Love Bees website for a second at the Halo 2 reveal or something like that, which led you to a broken website that would then slowly give out coordinates to different payphones. And then when you pick up the payphone, it would like give you bits of lore on Halo yep. 2 or events leading up to Halo 2. And then Dude. if you if you went to all of the different like coordinates and stuff, you were able to go to a theater where they would let you play Halo 2 early. <laughs> Dude, I, I remember I've ever heard. I still want to see I, I wish there were more ad campaigns like this but it's hard to imagine what franchises can get away with it right mm-hmm. where I remember days, um, yeah. Vampire the Masquerade 2 the one that hasn't come out yet had that ad campaign where they made a fake mobile app that was like Tinder but it was for yeah, vampires yeah. but they, nothing ever linked it directly to the masquerade until they started dropping things in the app and had like a trailer of a dude that would like have AI chat things start messaging you on that app of like, oh, this thing's going down and it's going to be like, you need to stay away from the from the moon or something like that. It is this crazy ARG phone app that was happening to lead up to that launch and it was such a fun thing that like man i wish more devs would do that but it is a lot of work so i get why it doesn't it's a lot of much. money <laughs> yeah very expensive yeah but it's it's like super i i want to say it's super worth it because a lot of the time it's like you, you just never forget that sort of thing and it's always looked as like that's like not only is that like you know obviously a big monetary and like effort investment but that's like you can't you can't do that for i mean i guess you could you could do that for like call of duty or something but it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's got to be a franchise that, that has gravitas to it, right? It's yeah. It needs to have like it needs to be serious enough on its own. But it also like the people making it need to actually give a crap. About it's it like a wrestling debut. It. <laughs> it is right? like a wrestling it's like, debut. It's like when you get Adam Cole and Brian Danielson to show up at the same thing. You got you got to if you tease that you have to deliver, right? It's like when you build for months that Matt Hardy over all of his social medias and all of his YouTube channels and things is, is building up that he's going to be the exalted one uh, only for him to finally uh, answer the call of, of the young bucks uh, uh, the, the, the hour before the episode of dynamite comes up only for uh, what's that. He's not the exalted one. He's just there. And Brody Lee is the exalted one instead. It's like, it's, it's exactly like it's that, that with but with saying. halo. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so I think the franchises you've got right now that could do that, Mass Effect maybe, right? Um, it's hard to say with Bioware or anything maybe. right now. <laughs> if the game is good, you could pull it off. If the game's not good, well, don't. don't <laughs> um, yeah. They won't even try if it's not good. They you could do it with Elder Scrolls pretty easily, I think. Mm-hmm. Elder Scrolls oh, is still sure. a franchise that, like, no matter what, people are going to play that game. Um, to hell, I'm still playing Skyrim literally earlier today. So... <laughs> <laughs> that franchise has it's a lot called, of longevity. It's me back. I, I hear the siren call of uh, Jeremy Soul. Wyatt, I have 700 something mods installed right now. 
Jesus Christ. Hey, and it, it's only crashed once in like 30 hours. <laughs> so. awesome. That's better than most AAA games. <laughs> it's impressive. Um, but yeah, I think you got to limit it to a franchise that, that has enough weight behind it. Yeah. To I, really I feel deliver. Like, I feel like whatever Kojima does next could totally have totally. that as, as a part of it. Kojima could do it. I think um, yeah. Capcom could do it with a lot of their franchises. Devil May Cry would, would be good I mean, for they, that. They attempted yeah. to do something like that with PT. They did. They did. That, they well, that did. was Konami, attempt. right? I, I said, I said Kojima, attempt yeah. because the game never came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <sighs> um, but, I mean, if Silent Hills had come out, like that would have been one of the, probably one of the greatest, like, uh, incredible campaigns ever and yeah. we gotta we gotta give credit to the man for kojima again just being somehow the most like absolutely insane predictive wizard ever to be born onto this earth for somehow timing it just 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 a day incorrectly before the the actual announcement that it was going to be a silent hills game because that that someone beat it to the point where they could see that it was a silent hills teaser only a day before that man, the announcement. That, and it would have that been out for mad lad. Yeah. He's insane. I hope that that, you know, when he uh when he passes we can get a uh we can just get a, a an autopsy of his brain to figure out exactly what the hell's going on up there. <laughs> I wouldn't even be surprised. So dark. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it, if instead of us ever finding out that he had he ever dies in the future, he just disappears and we lose track yeah. of Kojima of, is a person that vanishes in the Bermuda Triangle, right? Like exactly. <laughs> he disappears. There like will a, not like be a, a body. He, he disappears like a Jedi when they die. <laughs> Become more powerful than you could ever imagine. All right. Exactly. So with that, I think we we've hit our most of our points today that we want to hit on. I'm going to save the artistic atmosphere stuff for when Alex is here, uh, being our resident yeah, art person. Yeah. Um, he is an art person. <laughs> our He's art person, person. <laughs> especially because he. I I did also want to talk about Elder Scrolls, but I think I'm going to save that for when he is here as well. Seeing that is that designated his, his designated art so. lad. Designated art lad and uh, Skyrim lad. <laughs> I do art too, guys. Jeez, thanks. <laughs> Wait, what's your name again? Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> Kojima. I, I thought you were on the wrestling show, right? Uh, uh so I, I snuck onto the other podcast. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't just talk about like wrestling and like some like like combat flight game or something. It's some Dan stupid has garbage. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you're you're you're, you're a uh, you're a Ubisoft fan, I think. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Before this fully devolves, I'm gonna get us to shout out so we can finish this before we all lose ourselves to the giggle monster. Uh, who wants to go first for a shout out? I'll go first. Uh, shout out to this uh, Halo lore book that I got when I was much much younger, and I think it was leading up to Halo. 5's release or Halo 4's release I can't remember but um, it's got some really really cool like painted artwork and just lays out all of the information of Halo's lore in a really like visually interesting way I th I was showing you guys some of the art from it like it's gorgeous it mm -hmm. looks really really yeah. cool Halo um, concept art is also really just always beautiful oh yeah oh yeah and and it, you know it, it is probably made for like people that are you know younger than 23 but i still think it's really interesting and i want to give it like a full read through at some point because there's still a lot of like halo lore that i don't know so it'll be nice to uh catch up all right brett you got something fun 
I I it's not it's not fun, but it is very good. Um shout out to uh the fact that I need to after this go up and get another 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 stack of uh, of tissues so I can prepare myself to watch the next uh probably only episode of Violet Evergarden later tonight oh, no. because uh I've been watching I've been watching that with uh with some other boys and uh we can literally only make it through like maybe like two episode chunks before everyone is everyone's everyone's noses are running and we're all we're all crying horribly. See, I thought see I thought y'all were crying from the Cowboy Bebop. No, I was screaming. I am crying for I a very actually... different reason for that. <laughs> yes. I'm saying a eulogy. <laughs> go 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 watch uh, if you're going to watch something on on Netflix. I'm pretty sure Violet Evergarden's on Netflix. It go, is. So is Arcane, which is also very good. The original Cowboy Bebop. Good, yeah. And the original Cowboy Bebop and the movie. Um, but yeah, Violet Evergarden, very good. I'm almost done. I, I cry every time. All right. Uh, well, Brent, it's thematic because I'm giving my shout out to a show as well. Uh, Amazon's Wheel of Time is oh. a high budget fantasy show that is actually good. It's very rare it's for that to happen. Um, it's very different from the books, but in a good way. It's different in the way that they adapted it for TV, in the way that made the best sense for TV, and not feeling this like obedience to the books that was unnecessary. So it's been very good to watch. And I think it's one of those shows that also thankfully hit the thing where like you get a few episodes in and realize it's getting better every episode and not worse, Mm. which is very rare. Like I was iffy on the first episode, but the fourth episode was really good. And it's now I'm going to be watching that show to it till it's done. So I think it's been a good week for, uh, for new shows. I've also heard arcane's very good. So with that, we're going to sign off here. As always, podcast Tuesday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. You can expect the Guardians of the Galaxy Games Club, likely on Thursday. That's probably when that'll be on YouTube. We're recording it earlier than that, but that, <laughs> that's probably when it'll be on YouTube. Uh, and then we have our Games Pass Games Club coming up, as well as any Game Awards stuff. Next episode's going to be our Game Awards predictions show, which is going to be fun as always. <laughs> With that, we will see you next week. Have a good morning, evening, wherever you are. Oh boy. What a Halo podcast. (laughs) (laughs) There's just there's just so much to say. I can't help myself. It's one of the it's one of the not like few, but like 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 ten solid things that like (laughs) mostly have in common.